Hey, everybody. Welcome to the 10 to 12 podcast, the official podcast of Teamsters Local 1150. I'm Stephen French. I'm Vinny Kaitsi. And I'm Jason Shoemaker. So there's a wave of organizing efforts in the food and beverage industry right now, and it's clearly led by the folks at Starbucks. It, it's virtually unheard of in this industry. This is a really difficult industry to unionize. Um, and up until now, that's been the case. But Starbucks is doing some special stuff. Uh, nobody is doing it better than those guys. And that's what we're here to talk about today. We're going to talk about that whole Starbucks thing, the unionizing effort that's sweeping this country. But first, let's do a benefits bite. We recently talked about vacation language, but one thing we did not mention was letter 27, which requires employees to save one week of vacation. So we're going to talk you through that language now. Um, Employees are required to save five days vacation uh, in the event that there's what's called a plant shutdown in the summertime. Uh, For anybody that's unfamiliar, the company reserves the right to have everybody take one week of vacation during the same week in the summertime. Um, an announcement for whether or not we're going to have a shutdown is typically done before April or in the April time frame. And we actually just found out the announcement this week that there will be no shutdown. So that releases everybody's uh, withheld week. You guys have never experienced a plant shutdown, have you? Uh, not in the time I've been here. Yeah, no. I don't think there's been one for at least 20 I years. I think I did. I think it was early in my career. Really? Yeah. How long have you been at the company? It'll be 15 years this year. Okay. Yeah, so I I haven't seen one, but it's important for especially for new hires when you don't have a lot of vacation time uh, to be aware that that vacation time is locked up. So employees with five vacation days or less must retain such vacation for the shutdown period pursuant to Section 9.17 of the contract. After shutdown or after a decision has been made by the company, uh, that vacation is basically released, and anybody can use remaining vacation days on short notice up to a maximum of five per calendar year. Employees who are entitled to vacation may take uh, those five, five days in one-hour increments. Um, short notice vacation days may not be used to extend a holiday or a previously scheduled vacation day or vacation time. So, so what does that mean? So if, if you've been out on vacation and you just decide, oh, you know, I really don't feel like coming back, that's not the intent of this vacation time. So you can't call in a vacation day to to, to extend your vacation by a day. Yeah, and Got same it. thing with like a holiday. Okay. Um, employees must comply with the current procedure established in the area for calling in to report absences. So typically you have to call in within two hours after the start of the shift to let people know. Um whether or not you're going to be absent. So you still have to comply with that. And these guidelines are in effect throughout the whole company. So it's the same for everybody. Okay. That's a good one. Um, That information, if you want to check it out in the contract, is found in letter 27. Uh, What do we got uh, for contract stuff? So we're going to continue talking about overtime, uh, the overtime language in the areas. And we're hoping that people are going to start taking this information and looking at the overtime sheet every week. You should be reviewing it on a weekly basis. For one, you want to make sure the overtime is being posted and it's being posted accurately. Uh, So it's really important. Double check the refusals you're being given, the charges you're being given. 
and we're going to finish up now taking you through the different criteria. And if you see a problem, please raise your hand. Yeah, absolutely. And this is a, an important thing to talk about right now because right now we're, we're going through those 26-week overtime audits. The stewards are scrubbing the sheets um, and, and determining whether or not people are getting payouts. So it's a really good time to talk about overtime and talk about overtime records and talk about making sure that your overtime records are correct. Yeah, so when you're trying to address a refusal or a charge on a sheet that is, you know, incorrect, it's a lot easier for us to go to the company and say, hey, I remember this past weekend, you didn't offer it to me, you know you didn't, I'd like you to remove that charge. Versus if we're going back 13 weeks trying to recount that, the company gives us a lot more resistance trying to correct those issues. We should be grieving things in a timely manner. Uh, so you definitely want to check it every week and let your steward know immediately if there's something that doesn't add up. No question. So overtime areas are mutually agreed upon by the company and the union. Um, anytime an employee enters a new group, so promotion, transfer, shift change, that employee would be given the average overtime of the new group. You need to remember that this does not include temporary moves. So if somebody's being loaned to another shift, a temporary move to another shift, that's a loan and it should follow loan language. So definitely if you have questions, check with your steward and make sure that they're following the right language for your scenario. An absent employee will be credited an average amount of overtime after all other employees assigned to the job code and supervisor within the overtime area have been asked. If an employee exceeds 21 days on absence, the employee would be given the average overtime when he or she returns to the group. So that's for a scenario where somebody could be out on illness, um, an extended illness beyond 21 days, they'd get averaged back in. That's very different from a scenario where somebody's on loan. So in the case of a loan, somebody would be tracked with their actuals for the first 21 days and then they would be given the daily average of the home group until they return. Uh, it's important in that scenario that the person isn't just averaged in when they return because that would get rid of the whole disparity. So this language is meant to protect getting that first 21 days worth of disparity in you know a grievable fashion uh, and not having it just lost by averaging someone in. So you want to make sure that you really understand those differences, and that's why it's important to get a steward involved if you have any questions. As far as vacation goes, um, an employee that's absent for single vacation days or an entire week of vacation, so that would be Monday through Friday, will not be charged overtime during that absence. An employee that's absent for single or multiple vacation days will be charged for weekend overtime when all the other employees in the job code and area have been asked um, and charged for the overtime. So that, that means that if I'm on vacation on Friday, I, get, I can get charged for the weekend? Yep. Okay. Yep. But if I'm on vacation Monday through Friday, can I get charged for the weekend? Yeah. So in that scenario, you would not be charged on either the weekend going in or the weekend coming out of the vacation. Either so or. Either or, not, not both. both. Okay. Right. And on a single vacation day, you would typically see a, a charge of a V without a number. So you're giving uh, the employee the benefit that they weren't offered. So it would create you know, a discrepancy, so to speak, moving forward or an amount that they need to close the gap. Got it. Overtime must be offered to employees regularly assigned to the overtime area prior to being offered to anyone on loan to that area. So if you do have people on loan, you want to make sure you know they should be given their fair share of the overtime as long as everyone's being offered. So the incumbents in the department in the overtime area need to be asked first, and then they should go through and ask everybody else. And let me just say this. If someone's on loan to your area 
everybody should be getting overtime. There's no reason to loan somebody to an area because the idea of a loan is to is that there's more work than than workers and you need extra workers. So if you need extra workers in the area, everybody should be asked for overtime anyway. Yep. Um, anytime someone's on travel status, it's similar to a loan in that for the first 21 calendar days, you're charged the employee's record in the parent department. If the loan on uh, if the loan on travel status exceeds 21 calendar days, the employee would be given the average of the group each day until he or she returns. Um, an employee assigned to light duty may also be eligible to work, provided everybody in the department has been offered the overtime as well. It's the same scenario. Everybody that's full duty should be offered the ability to come in and work the overtime prior to somebody on light duty. Got it. An employee absent for military leave will also not be charged uh, unless other employees within the job code and overtime area have been charged. An employee who's asked and refuses overtime because it's their weekend duty in military, reserve, or National Guard will be charged the appropriate number of hours uh, as long as the employee is the lowest in the group within the overtime area. Got it. The last important thing that you want to look out for is in cases where a working leader is being given preferential treatment for the overtime. So we specifically have language to prevent the working leader from getting preferential treatment. That also means the lead person should not be excluded from getting their fair share of the overtime. It's just to prevent an abuse, having the work uh, done by a leader when it could be done by other employees yeah. and, and is done by regular and, employees. And let's let's be clear about that, especially for, for newer members who, who might not be really familiar with that language. Just because the working leader is getting a little bit more overtime than the rest of the group, that's not necessarily a violation of this language. Um, oftentimes, working leaders are brought in a half hour a day or an hour a day earlier than than the rest of the group to set up jobs and do lead, you know, working leader duties. Right, and, and that's okay. Yep, and those are responsibilities that other employees should not be performing. That's a lead person's work. Right. Um, it, Remember, too, that a working leader scenario isn't something that's bound by our overtime language for the 13 weeks. That's something that you can raise your hand at any time, call for a steward, and let the steward investigate whether or not there's truly an abuse there. All right. Great job, Jason. Um, that's a lot of information uh, to digest. And um, if you want to check that out further, if you want to read through the stuff that Jason covered in, in last week's episode and this week's episode— um, it's in letter two in our contract. Um, read through that stuff. If you have questions, you can reach out to us at our, our email address or better yet, talk to your steward about it. Yep. And that's going to be page 75 of your contract. Great. So let's talk about what we came here to, to talk about, which is Starbucks, right? We, we mention it on just about every episode of the podcast, right? We, yes, there, we do. There's something said about Starbucks and the amazing things that, that these workers are doing out there across the country. Starbucks workers are clearly leading this charge to unionize the food and beverage industry yes, they um, are. across the country. Um, at, at the time we recorded this podcast, more than 1,200 workers at over 100 stores in 19 states have been have been kind of wrapped up in this organizing campaign. Um, many more have petitioned the NLRB, the National Labor Relations Board, for an election. So it, when we talk about it sweeping the country, it truly is sweeping the country. Uh, th this effort started back in, in 2021 
and and saw its first success in December of last year when two stores up in Buffalo, New York, voted to unionize under this fledgling union started by the workers themselves uh, called Starbucks Workers United. Um, it's a grassroots union formed by the workers themselves. Yep. They are affiliated with a national union. Um, I believe it's Workers United. But um, they started this on their own. And... Um, it's pretty. It's pretty amazing stuff, it right? It really is. Uh, so the the wave kind of started there in in Buffalo, and it hit Boston shortly after that. It spread to states like Arizona and Washington, Illinois, Florida, Ohio, Maryland, Virginia, California. The list goes on, right? Every day, it seems like the list gets bigger and bigger. I yep. believe. There are organizing efforts in more states than not now. I believe yeah. it's over 26 states. When you look at a map, it's pretty impressive to it see, is. especially because you can see how the map has grown as they add locations yep. over time, and yeah. it's just been exponential. And I think one of the important things that's helped them is a lot of times companies will try to push back on organizing drives by forcing you to have a district of stores all in the bargaining unit. And they're and doing that. What they've done is they've had a lot of luck with getting individual stores recognized as a bargaining unit. So they've taken away companies' abilities to do that. And that's led to this giant rush of uh, success. Yeah. And, and there's some precedent in that particular industry, in, in the food and beverage industry. The NLRB has has pretty consistently ruled against companies when they try to, um, you know, to to make the bargaining unit multiple stores. Uh, the NLRB has usually ruled against that and said, nope, we're okay with single store bargaining yeah. units. So that's good for that industry, right? And not it's, to get off track, but that's one of the things that the PRO Act would really help unions with. When you, when you change the way the deck is stacked in terms of what you have to do to yeah. organize, then the people's will kind of comes through a lot easier. Yeah, for yep. sure. What excites me about this is, you know, I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I, I feel like unionism in this country is essentially a, an old guy's game. Yeah. You know, it the, the the workers who are in unions today are, are by and large more mature, older workers. Um, and it's exciting to see really young people get involved in this Absolutely. movement. And it, I think it, really speaks to what our future might look like yeah i think it does the it, the young people in this country are excited about unions they're yeah. willing to they're willing to fight for their for for their voices and i think that's awesome yeah. so the vote on february 25th in mesa arizona is the one that kind of catches my eye right arizona is not a particularly union friendly state i don't think it's one of those feverishly anti-union states i believe it is a right to work state though yes so so they're an anti-union state and the the mesa arizona location of starbucks voted 25 to 3 in favor of the union that's fantastic right so i think again that speaks to the strength of this movement yes it's it's really catching on it was a clear indication that the movement is taking hold, right? And after that Arizona victory, the union, in an official statement, um, one of the organizers there in Mesa, um, who is you know part of the, the national effort, uh, she said, and I quote, We as partners are demanding a seat at the table and a say in our working conditions. 
For too long, Starbucks hasn't lived up to their mission and values, and we are holding them accountable. That's awesome. And I got goosebumps as yeah, I was reading that, too. right? Because th- this is, I mean, they're sending a message. These young people, right, who, you know, six months ago were just making coffee yep. and kind of not digging their job, yep. right? And and now they're standing up to one of the biggest companies in the country yep. in, in, in that business, right? Yep. They are, the, they're the king of coffee. Pretty much. And and these young people are standing up to them and saying, "Here's our voice, and it's going to be heard." Yeah. Awesome, and that I love awesome. they're throwing the company's supposed values in their face. Yeah, yeah. They are. isn't this what you stand for? Well, then how do you oppose us on this? Yeah, yeah, because the company, you know, the the company does talk a lot about their values. You know, they uh, the the company was built on this idea, um, you know, that they're a, that they're an environmentally conscious company that they're you know all about their people and all about the people that walk in the door looking for a cup of coffee um and it turns out that they're you know they're not necessarily all about people if they're going to be calling their workers partners they should treat them like partners yeah they should and and that's what that's what the union's saying right they're saying hey you want to call us partners we're going to be partners we're going to have a say in what goes on in this company so good time to talk about the company Right, right. Who is Starbucks? What's what's the company all about? They've been around since 1971. Um, anybody who drinks Starbucks coffee knows about their Pike Place brew. Yeah, right. That absolutely. It, it, it's actually named after the, the location that they started at, which is the Pike Place Market in Seattle, Washington. Um, that was in 1971, and today they have 30,000 stores all over the world Damn. with 350,000 employees. Wild. That's a big company. That is a really big company. I mean, that's that that's bigger than Lockheed Martin. If you want to, you know, if you want to go purely by numbers of employees, Lockheed Martin doesn't have three hundred fifty thousand employees, to my knowledge. Damn. So that's a big company. Um, they have annual sales of twenty five billion dollars. Wow. Yeah. Just just for our members to compare that, Sikorsky Aircraft sold $16 billion worth of helicopters last year. So a little more than half of of what Starbucks did. Damn. Right? And, you know, a cup of coffee costs a few dollars. Yeah, exactly. Way too much at Starbucks, right? Can yeah. I say that? Not a the, few yeah, dollars Yeah, I think you there. should say no, that. No, it's not a few dollars there? No. no. Okay. No, six, $6 for a medium? No. It, depending it costs, on what it is? Are you kidding me? Oh, yeah. A cup of coffee there costs about as much as minimum wage. Oh, my yeah, God. I mean, a Frappuccino is... I, you know, I, I don't go to Dunkin' Donuts because of the price until today. Right, because I did not know that. Well, their I, coffee sucks. I mean, <laughs> I mean to be perfectly honest. Okay, all right. <laughs> I mean, if are, are I we... had to pick one, I'd pick Starbucks. But I all mean, right. Dunkin's co- coffee is not even coffee. Are we allowed to say that? Well, <laughs> are you going to edit it out? <laughs> no, I don't think we're gonna. I think we're sticking right there with that. That was Vinny Caisi <laughs> with with the endorsement. We're coming for you, Dunkin' Donuts next. <laughs> So, um, so the, the, the company Starbucks is worth, the company worth is estimated at $102 billion. Damn. So, so these kids aren't, aren't taking on a, a little foe, right? They're taking on a big giant. Yeah. Um, 
Let's talk about the CEO, Kevin Johnson. Uh, now, is he still the CEO or did no, he now just step down? Howard Schultz made, yeah. made a, a return. And, yeah, Howard Schultz. So um, and we'll talk about him some, too. Union buster in chief. Yeah, he, that's exactly what he was. But, but Kevin Johnson, the outgoing CEO, um, he made almost $21 million last year, which was up from 2020 when he made $14.5 million. So that's a one-year increase in salary of just under 40 percent it's like 39.7 percent it's a nice little cost of living jump right yeah, what really. do we get what do we get in annual raises three yeah. percent yeah three yeah. percent. he got 40 percent um 40 uh, percent of millions right so it's not 40 percent of a hundred thousand dollars it's a 40 percent raise on a on a 14 and a half million dollar salary that's it's it's kind of insane ridiculous so according to Indeed.com, the average Starbucks barista makes $13.03 per hour. Now, I know that Starbucks just announced last year, they announced an increase in wages where uh, um, everyone will make at least $15 an hour. All the baristas will make at least 15 Something I want to point out on, on the wage of the barista, how many... How many annual salaries of an average barista does it take to make up this this guy's yearly salary? Tell me. Well, I don't know, like 500 times? I'd have to do the math. I did the math. It's 775 full-time uh, baristas. Yeah. They, they, could, they can employ 775 full-time baristas on his salary. That's insane. Yep. I, I wonder who would add more profit to the company, that 775 baristas or uh, this guy, right. Kevin Johnson? Right. I, 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 well, I, I have an answer for that. Do I have to say it? So, so a, a full-time barista at that pay makes about $27,000 a year. That's a full-time worker. That's and insane. yes, they have benefits. Yep. They do have benefits. Um, but still, $27,000 a year. And, and, you know, I don't know if that is like a national average where just like every other industry, you know, if you're in Southern California, you're making way more than that. And if you're in Connecticut or upstate New York, you're making way more than that. And, and you know, people are making $10 down south. I don't know. I think it probably depends on the state minimum wage. Yeah. But, but they probably have a company. Yeah, and cost yeah. of living depending on where yeah. you are. Right. So what can you do? The best you can do if you're a Starbucks barista full time in the state of Connecticut, what's the best you can do? Maybe thirty five. Yeah, maybe. $35,000 a year. I I can't live on $35,000 a year. Me neither. Right? So uh, on the company website, Starbucks talks all about um, their employees and about, quote, doing good. Here's what they say. They say, we like to say that we're not in the coffee business serving people, but in the people business serving coffee. Our employees, who we call partners, are at the heart of the Starbucks experience. We are committed to making our partners proud and investing in their health, well-being, and success, and to creating a culture of belonging where everyone is welcome. $13 an hour. Yep. That's not an investment. And if you go on the, the Starbucks Workers United website, one of the things that they talk about that needs to be improved across the country at Starbucks is health care, particularly mental health coverage. Um, a lot of the workers are talking about the lack of coverage in their health care plan yep. for mental health. And, 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 you know, it flies directly in the face of what the company claims their values are. So continuing with some of the stuff that Starbucks says on their website, 
They say, it has been from the beginning, our purpose goes far beyond profit. Our aspiration is to be people positive, investing in humanity and the well-being of everyone we connect with, from our partners to coffee farmers to customers in our stores and beyond. Investing in humanity and the well-being of everyone we connect with, including our partners. The well-being, right? But if that means good mental health care coverage. Yeah, that, that doesn't nah. apply. Yeah, that's that's too much, right? So people before profits, unless, <laughs> you know, unless the people want a union, yeah. then, then no. Yeah, then no. So what's been the company's reaction to this this organizing drive? The company's engaged in a pretty harsh anti-union campaign. Yeah, right from the onset. Yep. Um, they say that they respect their their employees' um, right to join a union. They say they do, but their actions have um, have not spoken those words. And actions right? speak louder than words. Um, stores that have an, an organizing campaign going on, um, one of the things they do, and I read about this, I had no idea about this until we did some research for this for this episode. They they send these stores, these what they call support managers, okay, and and the support managers come from from corporate. Um, they provide no support. The baristas are reporting that you know they just stand around, often wearing these headsets, yep. and and they're listening to conversations. Yeah. Yep. Right. They wear they walk around the store and they wear a headset and they're listening to people's conversations through a microphone. So they're rats. Right. They're they're identifying people who are pro union yep. and especially the people who are you know the organizers of this particular yes. campaign at this particular store. Um, so they're 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 under surveillance. The workers are. Right. Um, these managers are not even telling the workers their names. They're they're telling them their first name, but won't give them their full name, won't tell them where they came from in yeah. terms of what department they work in for the corporate um, for for the corporation. Um, pretty, pretty bad stuff. Yeah, it I sounds think it's really bad. They've sent executives in to uh, sweep the floor as if they're helping out and trying to <laughs> keep their sad. pulse on things. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, they've been actually, you know, they've hired in a lot of workers into bargaining units, trying to tip the scales in their favor. They've intimidated a lot of them. Yeah, that's a big one, right? Um, so so what store was that at um, where they actually closed the store for a while? Oh, right. Was that in Memphis, Tennessee? It, it might have been in Memphis where they closed the store for a, a couple of months, I think. And and when they reopened the store, they had all these new employees. Mm -hmm. They were they're bringing in these anti-union employees. They're training them separately. Yeah. Right. They're not training them at the store They're When when they opened the store back up, all these new employees showed up and they were already trained. Yeah. M Memphis is where they fired uh, the seven workers that were part of the organizing committee. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's amazing. There's actually audio of both captive audience meetings over at Amazon. Yeah. And then there's audio at Starbucks as well. Uh, there was a 19-year-old girl who was a union lady, uh, leader. Her name is Layla Dalton. She started getting disciplined for allegedly wearing earbuds. She, <sighs> she says God. on video, she's recording it when they're writing her up, I was told once not to wear an earbud and I never wore one again. Other people wear them all the time. Why am I being you know, singled out? 
I don't do that. Retaliation. Um, if you go yep. on, Perfect Union has it on their Instagram page, Facebook page. Yep. But you can listen to this, and it, it is mind-blowing to hear the way that they're going after intimidating and trying to discipline people just because they know they're pro-union. Yep. Like Vinny said, they fired seven people at um, the, the Memphis store. Yep. Seven people, and all of them were pro-union all of yeah. them were involved in the grassroots effort to organize that store i actually yeah. was in a starbucks in west haven and watched uh, a girl that i was ordering there was a problem with my online order and the girl went to correct it in the computer and when she stepped away from making coffee and went to the computer to, or the the screen to correct my order and refund what wasn't available she took off her headphones for a minute and what was clearly a manager stepped up behind her, physically reached over, and put the headphone back on the girl's ear. And that's With, crazy. Wow. And I was dumbfounded. Uh, you know, but you could see the look of disgust on the worker's face. But that's in a state where, unfortunately, in Connecticut, we don't have any Starbucks stores that yep. are currently being unionized. So that's yeah, the why. Type of- if you're out there, Please, Connecticut, let's start organizing. Yes. Can I just say, and 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 probably Starbucks workers are not listening to this podcast, yeah. unfortunately, but if you know a Starbucks worker, tell them to listen to this episode anyway yes. of the podcast. Yes. And I'm going to tell you right now, if, if a Starbucks in the state of Connecticut has an organizing drive, the Teamsters Union will be there. Yes, we will be. We will walk outside on the sidewalk in front of that store and support those workers. Local 1150 will be there. That's a promise from me. I'll be one of those people. Me too. You got me too. So, you know, that's kind of confusing to me that in all these northern states, right, these these union-friendly states, why aren't there more efforts to organize? Yeah, yeah. Even Tennessee, just they're the first southern one to uh, yeah. unionize. They've passed eight to seven. They just squeaked by. But yeah. even Tennessee's got one, so we got to catch up up here. Yeah, and I suppose, you know, maybe the answer is the, the workers are treated a little bit better up here. That, that could be. So, um, you know, maybe that's the answer, but— I don't know. Boston lit a fire and they've, you know, yeah. well, that's true. I mean, yeah, it's Boston's... happening in, it is in New England, yep. but you know, I think it's cool too. You, you hear what corporations say, how a third party is going to come in and run this for you. And you yep. know, they're not going to know anything about it. But if you watch these people, one, if you watch the results as they all find out that they actually won an election, the excitement is just insane. Um, but these people are, you can tell they're just baristas. They don't really know, you know, how to run a union. They're no. figuring it out yeah. as they go. They're organizing with their coworkers. You know, it is grassroots, yep. like you said, it's but it's awesome. It's cool to see that the employees are the ones that are forming the union. Yeah. And these baristas who are making 15 bucks an hour, right? They're the ones doing it while at the same time, um, Starbucks is hiring 30 attorneys from, the firm of Littler, Littler Mendelssohn, which is a notoriously, if you know anything about union busting, you know the name, Littler Mendelssohn. They are a notorious union busting law firm. And and Starbucks has them on retainer. And and they're working for Starbucks at, you know, those guys aren't making 15 bucks an hour. No. And, and, you know, they're, they're trying to tell Starbucks how to fight this campaign. Yep. And they're losing. They're losing to to baristas, right? Yeah. And I don't I don't want to be I don't want to sound like I'm belittling baristas, no. but you know it's it's the classic um, David and Goliath story. It really right? is, right. and and these folks are winning. It is pretty freaking cool. Um, so 
Starbucks is doing, you know, what most companies do, right? They're they're hiring these lawyers. They're having captive audience meetings, you know, making them mandatory for all workers. They're actually closing stores for days, right? They they close a store for a day just to talk to the workers about voting no. Yeah. In a union campaign. They're giving up all those sales, so it must be worth something to them to keep the union out of there. And that should tell the workers something. Uh, you know, they're again, and this is the one that really gets under my skin that Amazon did and now Starbucks is doing. They're taking company information, right? Personal information out of employees' files yeah. and using it in their anti-union campaign. Crazy. The, the, the employees provide a cell phone number to the company. And they're using that cell phone number and bombarding these people yep. with anti-union text messages on a daily basis. Right. They're weaponizing that, and they're also going after social media. Yep. And, and I mean that that them. should that should tell you something that they're gonna they're gonna take liberties they shouldn't have and use them against but when the workers. You, when you look at trying to tip the laws in unions' favors, maybe what the Pro Act needs to do is say that the unions get all that information right off the bat too. Yep. You know. Absolutely. Go ahead and hand yeah. it over to both sides. Let everybody. You know play at the uh, same level so so i think most recently um a, a few more buffalo stores voted to unionize they did um how yep. many do we have in buffalo now i think three i think we have more than that i think there's there four five four or five yeah yeah it was three additional so yeah three additional yeah, stores so um recently voted um in favor of of an election and and even though the the margins of victory were low, they were close votes. Um, prior to the count, the the union was worried about these particular votes. Right, the the union made it clear they were worried about it. They thought that they would lose at least one of them, possibly two of them, out of these three elections. Um, at the at the one store that the union absolutely expected to lose. Starbucks delayed the election. They closed that store for two months. This is the one I was talking about. They closed the store for two months. Um, they they expanded the bargaining unit by bringing in these anti-union workers who were trained separately from, from the pro-union workers. They reduced hours at the store, attempted to drive out all the pro-union workers, right, through um, through these this enforcement of rules, right? They clamped yeah. down on, on, on all the pro-union workers um they messed around with the scheduling of people right so yeah. they just tried to get people to quit and they still lost that's awesome right and, and probably that effort caused them to lose probably right they were messing with those people the pro-union people they were messing with them and maybe some of those anti-union people were watching this happen yeah and said huh maybe i shouldn't be anti-union yeah maybe i should vote in favor of this thing yep Right. A big thumbing of the nose at the company that that put in a, a pretty big effort. Closing a store for two months it's crazy. is a big deal. Yeah. And changing CEOs is a big deal. Yeah. yeah. It is. Well, tell us about Vinny. You know a little bit about what's his name? Schultz. Howard Schultz. Yeah. You know, a little he, bit about he was him. the CEO of, of Starbucks for a long time. I believe he ran for president real briefly um, for president of the United States. Yeah. Really? Yeah, he's, okay. he's been super anti-union yeah. since the 80s. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you called him, what did you call him? Uh, union buster in, in charge? Chief, union buster in chief. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, it's not a um, a mistake, right, no. that that this other guy stepped down and now Schultz is yeah. back in as CEO during 
uh, uh, this campaign. And as of the recording of this podcast, just yesterday, the, the, uh, there's been an announcement that he's going to introduce new benefits to workers of Starbucks to try to slow down the organizing drive. And I say it's a trick. Take the benefits and organize anyways. Yeah, yeah. It, it it might be a trick, right? Well, it clearly is a trick. Yeah. Uh, but the the workers, the especially the workers who are unionizing, right, they should see it as a victory because it's the company knuckling under to, frankly, some of the things that they want in order to stop this wave from rolling in. Yeah, from what I'm reading online, they see it for what it is, and they're recognizing that the company can pull it back just as quickly as they gave it out. That's something they learned down in Alabama at uh, Amazon. A lot of the things that they were giving them to try and prevent them from unionizing became things they took away, you know, didn't hold up their end. Yeah, so so clearly, you know, these workers are educating themselves, and they know that, okay, if, like you said, they can give it and they can take it away, but they can't take it away if we unionize and put it in a contract. Yep. One of the Starbucks board members, Melody Hobson, said that uh, Schultz is being brought back because he's singularly capable of dealing with the workers. Uh, he's going to come in, increase some wages, like Vinny said. And he actually said a quote from his 1999 book, I was convinced that under my leadership, employees would come to realize that I would listen to their concerns. If they had faith in me and my motives, motives they would not need a union. <laughs> uh, a, a little correction on Howard Schultz. Uh, he, he was considering an independent run for president and then decided not to run. Oh, okay. Yeah, he actually created Starbucks by merging two coffee chains at the time. Uh, one was unionized, and that's why the employee, employees at Starbucks has, have always had pretty good benefits yeah um but he made life hell for workers and and ran a pretty severe union busting yeah. campaign to disband i that saw that union. too it's you know it's something that a lot of these companies are doing um you know amazon amazon talks about you know 15 dollar an hour starting wage they talk about decent benefits yeah. um and you know it's a it's a trick it's a trick to, to fool people into thinking, oh, these are really good jobs and we don't need a union here. And, you know, they're trying to strike that balance, right? They're trying to find that sweet spot that says, you know, okay, we can give something extra um, because that's worth keeping the union out. Have you caught the commercials on, on you know, I've seen them on YouTube and different uh, streaming sites about exactly what you're saying that they'll have they'll have a worker tell their story and how i you know i wasn't able to make ends meet before and now i work for amazon and everything's great and it's yep crazy yeah and, and listen i know people who work for amazon and um it, it's it's not pretty yeah it's not pretty i actually know um a, a good friend of my son's works for amazon and i hope amazon isn't listening and they don't know who i'm talking about because um, putting this he, guy under the gun well man. listen he Please. he milked amazon for for his cdl he got his cdl through amazon and he has to he has to work there for i think a year um until you know that, that's like a penalty period until they hear this podcast right? he can't he can't go and work for anybody else for a year with that cdl but he's watching the clock and he's gonna go yeah. right he's gonna take that cdl and get a real job yep so um you know, we could talk all, all day. We could switch to Amazon and talk all day about um, Amazon because they're the real enemy. But which, by the way, at, at the at the recording of this podcast, um, right before we started recording this, we got the news that the first Amazon 
um, location voted yes for a union. Where yep. was it? In Staten Island, Staten New York. Staten Island, New York. Yep. Um, the first unionized Amazon. So we're going to keep our eye on that. Hopefully by the time we we record another podcast, they won't have closed that store. Yeah, hopefully not. Right? Or yep. warehouse or whatever it is. But um, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that, and maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more next week. So good conversation. Do we have anything more to talk about with, with Starbucks other than, you know, hip hip hooray and and i just want to add that i didn't know this but they actually had a union organizing drive in the late 90s and really? then again in 2004 really um and schultz was there this whole time so you know that's part of the reason they're going back to this guy they feel like he's done it twice they he could, could do it, it again he squashed it but so, it's too late yeah I, I do right? have something jason what was it said you, you were telling me that you do when you go into starbucks to, to show support for them I like talking about how you know great unions are. It, it's my own little captive audience meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, and I like just wearing a union shirt in there and just kind of watching how they treat their workers rather than standing off to the side. It's funny to kind of keep your eyes on the manager and you know yep. that yeah. I see that manager who grabbed that girl's headset whenever I go to that Starbucks now, and she always has this you know puckered up look. So it's kind of funny to see unionization. It's contagious. Yeah, and it let's is. Keep it that way. It, it 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 definitely is, and um, you know, I don't think Schultz can stop this. Wave. I don't think so either. The momentum's too strong. Yeah, I, and people are realizing that this is a good thing. Remember, it's the workers that are organizing that are doing this. It's it's yep. them that are doing this. Yep. You know, for I've, sure. I've never seen that woman again who had her headphone placed on her ear. I'm assuming she probably got sick of it and quit. Yeah, yeah maybe. You kind of hope that they start, you know, banding together. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to go uh, start drinking Starbucks coffee, even though I, I cringe at the idea of paying six bucks for a coffee, but, um, well, a regular coffee is not, is not that expensive. No, no. Oh, what are you talking about then? Fancy um, things? Yeah. Lattes, cappuccinos. Uh, yeah, I don't drink uh, that foo-foo stuff anyway. Oh, come on. I, I'm, I'm a straight up black coffee guy, so I can get away with like a couple of bucks. Yeah, I guess oh, so. Three, bu- <laughs> three bucks maybe. All right. I'm in. <laughs> So um, good conversation, and um, you know maybe we'll pick this up again. We're certainly going to talk a little bit more about it in each episode, right? We'll give updates about what's going on at Starbucks, but a good conversation. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Uh, what do we have for upcoming events? Anything? So we've got the TVC Golf Tournament coming up on May 20th at Orono Country Club. Uh, you're definitely going to want to register early. There's limited spots, but if you're interested in helping out, volunteering your time to help the veterans, definitely reach out to you know Terry Pasito, Mike Rodriguez, any of the guys on the TVC. This is a fun event. It's a fun event to play in. It's a fun event to volunteer for. So so come out and have some fun. And and don't think you have to be a professional golfer to play in this event. Um, I'm proof that you don't have to be that, right? You can just come and if you have a set of clubs, just come and hack the ball around and, uh, you know, just bring plenty of balls so you can hit them all into the woods and, um, there you, go. you know, have a good time. It's a good time. I hit most of my balls into the woods and I still have fun. It really is. It starts with a breakfast that everybody goes out and plays around and then you come back for a nice dinner. There's, uh, auctions, all sorts of different stuff. And like we said, it all raises money for veterans. So, yep. Good fun, good cause. What else? Uh, membership meeting coming up? April 20th. Okay. Food truck, right? We've got the micro food truck coming back. They're going to have a uh, whole bunch of good food for us. Awesome. I talked a little bit too much about the uh, the micro food truck last week, so I won't talk about it anymore. It's just really good. <laughs> I highly recommend it. Um, contract surveys are still available. Please um, get on our app, get on our website, fill out a, a contract survey. 
if you don't use tech, you're probably not listening to this podcast right now. But but if you do want to fill out a paper copy, just talk to your steward and we can get you a paper copy of the of the contract survey. Um, but make sure you're taking the survey. Like Jason always says, you can take it multiple times. Um, let us know what you want to see in the next contract because that's what it's all about. That's your that's the membership's way of getting involved in contract negotiations. And if you have any problems accessing it, please shoot us an email. New employees, you know, if you're not in the system yet, you might get an error. Uh, just shoot us an email either at comms at teamsters1150.org or jason at teamsters1150.org, and we'll make sure we get you loaded in. Excellent. What do we got for um, labor activity out there, Vinny? So BuzzFeed workers voted to authorize a strike. The News Guild of New York that represents workers at BuzzFeed News announced that they have overwhelmingly voted to authorize a uh, authorize a strike because the company is or uh bargaining in bad faith the vote was taken at an afternoon bargaining session the unit is rep represents 61 workers 90 percent of those workers participated in the vote and they authorized the strike by 91 percent wow uh the, uh the union's been uh bargaining for a first contract for the last two years and it it looks like it hasn't happened yet. Um, they they've used tactics like a one day walkout, and they've been escalating actions against uh, management. The management at BuzzFeed is now uh, offering voluntary buyouts and threatening layoffs to it seems to thwart the uh, thwart the union. Um, nice, come back to work or yeah, we'll lay you off. Fordham graduate students are fighting the unionize. After four years uh, on hiatus of, uh, of efforts, um, the Fordham Graduate Student Workers Union has reemerged at, at the beginning of February with, with the launch of a union card campaign. Uh, the campaign relied on workers signing the cards to advocate for the union representation, representation from the Communication Workers of America. The movement uh, began in September 2016 following the landmark uh, decision by the NLRB, which ruled that student workers uh, of Columbia are uh, considered employees and are allowed to unionize. Nice. And that's all I have this week. Okay. Jason, did we miss a, a, an event? Yeah, so I just wanted to make you guys aware uh, the Connecticut Teamsters Futures is kicking off again. So we're uh, rebranding Teamsters for Tomorrow, which is our group to get uh, younger people involved in the union. We're rebranding as the Teamster Futures to kind of fall in line with the other locals throughout the country. Uh, we're going to be having a meeting on April 10th at 10 a.m. It's going to be at Teamsters Local 443's Union Hall. That's 200 Wallace Street in New Haven. Uh, if you want to get involved, please email uh, T4T. Dave Lucas is the head of the group. You can reach him at uh, T4T at Teamsters1150.org. That's T, the number four T at te uh, Teamsters 1150. Awesome. Um, and as always, as is our tradition, we end every episode with a labor quote. What do we got, Vinny? So we have a couple quotes from Jack London. He was an iconic American novelist, short story writer, journalist, and social activist. Jack London is best known for writing Call of the Wild and White Fang. And he hated scabs. He hated scabs. And, uh, <laughs> so let's so, hear about so it. So I'm going to read the, an excerpt from Ode to a Scab. After God had finished the rattlesnake, the toad, and the vampire, he had some awful substance left with which he made a scab. A scab is a two-legged animal 
with a corkscrew soul, a waterlogged brain, and a, and a combination backbone made of jelly and glue. Where others have hearts, he carries a tumor of rotten principles. I don't think that's so bad. That's one of the nicer ones. Yeah, that sounds just about right. <laughs> yeah, it does. And the other is, the scab is a traitor to his God, his mother, and his class. <laughs> Talking about my mother. I love Jack London. I'm going to have to read um, some of his novels uh, because I love his quotes about scabs. So that's all we have today. Um, again, we'll continue to update you on the efforts at Starbucks, but pay attention to that stuff. Go to a Starbucks, buy a coffee, talk to a, a worker about unions, about how great unions are, yes. and support that effort. Um, but thank you, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate you taking the time to download, to follow. If you're not following, shame on you. Go to Podbean and follow us. Follow the 10 to 12 podcast. Um but you can get us on, on a lot of other places, including Amazon Podcasts, <laughs> uh, which is, I think, ironic. But, um, again, we appreciate it. We want you to um, let us know what you like, what you hate. So email us at comms at teamsters1150.org. That's C-O-M-M-S at teamsters1150.org. Let us know what you want to hear in the future, and we'll try to do that. Um, but for now, thanks again. Appreciate you listening, and um, I'm Stephen French. I'm Vinny Kaitsi. And I'm Jason Shoemaker. We'll see you next time.